0: This will be how Blue Apron never becomes a, a sponsor. There was one time I found a Lego. Do you remember this? Were we still on social media?
1: Yes, the Lego story.
0: Yeah, and it was like one little. It was the little two. I don't know what you call it. Two, two segment Lego. Two
1: prong. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't like in the food. It was just in the packaging, and so I wasn't offended <laughs> by it, but I couldn't figure out how it got in there. You know, it seemed weird, and so I posted on Facebook. I think about it and. Blue Apron got wind of that, and boy, they were not happy with somebody. Recorded in our Nerd Haven studios, this is Pop Medieval. Your hosts, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina?
1: What, Doc? Well, it is March, Women's History Month,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which means that we are coming up on St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. which means two things women and beer.
0: You know, there's something for everyone in this today's podcast, women and beer, two things that are great separately and together.
1: Two things that mean a lot to me, given yes. that I am a woman and that I like beer.
0: There you go. And I have to say, I ha- well, I'm going to have to rely on your expertise as to the beer itself. I mean, I have... I do occasionally drink beer, but I am not much of a beer drinker, primarily because, well, there's a couple reasons, but one of them is, you know, as a man who has struggled with his weight, I try not to drink my calories <laughs> whenever possible. Uh, by struggled with his weight, I mean has lost a losing battle against it. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I think you're doing a great job.
0: Well, thank you very much. I I have to work very hard at it.
1: Well, I, I, I do appreciate that you think I'm an expert in beer. I am an expert in drinking it Mm -hmm. but well that that sounded terrible oh my god no i i like to drink it um uh, i am not an expert in brewing i have brewed beer before and it was very successful i will say that we were one-time brewers and it turned out to be a very successful brew
0: i did not know that i i have just now learned that about you i didn't know that you had done any brewing
1: Yes, we've done brewing once before. Amateur brewing, of course. Mm-hmm. Twice, I meant. Both times, they were successful brews. We drank the brew. It was absolutely delicious. I hope to do it again sometime. It was a lot of fun. There was some science behind it, and there was some art behind it. There were was a lot of beer behind it, too. So I, plus I, would recommend again.
0: So then I have another question. I have two things. First is a statement. So okay. if you lived in the Middle Ages... One of the terms mm-hmm. that would have been used for you would be an alewife. Alewife. Yeah, alewife. Alewife. And of course, is wife. Is that the old the,
1: English term for it or is that the modern No, that English
0: would be, there was, a, there was a different Latin term, uh, okay. which I probably should have written down because I'm forgetting at the moment. Uh-oh. So it's basically the feminine form of brewer. Okay. And then the, I have a follow-up question. Are you now or have you ever been a witch
1: I am not at liberty to say that. I can say I have been accused of being a stronger form of that word before. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, (laughs) we'll leave it at that. How about?
0: Well, so if you go online, one thing that you will quickly find uh, running around is this idea that Alewives, that is women brewers, although to be honest, alewives weren't just the brewers. They were also women who would be uh, sellers of it, either retail or, or selling it to to others, Would sort of generally be called an alewife. The alewives were looked down upon and even considered to be witches. And you can very often find these uh, websites that will tell you that the pointy hat, for example, of the witch that we have today, that that is modeled from... The common kind of hat that alewives would wear is part of their general job in the Middle Ages. Is this true? I think it isn't really true. <laughs> I want to okay. talk, I want to talk a little bit about the history of women and brewing in the Middle Ages. Because in the Middle Ages, women did well, in the Middle Ages, women did a lot of the brewing and the, and some of the brewing guilds were really dominated by women, though usually the master of the guild would be male. And that kind of comes later on and those get much stronger in the, early, in the late medieval, early modern era. So I want to go. Th- I want to talk about three medieval women and their role in brewing. OK, sounds good. All right. So the first one is very early medieval. Some people might call her late classical, but I'd say she's early medieval because she is a Christian Ireland. And by the time Ireland becomes Christian, I think we're talking early medieval. And that's St. Bridget. Oh,
1: St. Bridget of Kildare.
0: Yes. And you okay. being uh, a redheaded lass yourself probably know quite a bit about. What do you know? Oh, what yeah. Do you we know all know her? each other. Yes.
1: Uh <laughs> Well, you you already told saint. them
0: about your your beer expertise, so.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So she's a very important saint in the Catholic Church, also in the Anglican Church, uh also Church of Ireland. Um mm-hmm. she not only is she the mm-hmm. saint of women, um children without parents, but also I believe she has turned water into beer.
0: That's right, and so she she's roughly contemporary contemporary with Saint Patrick. The problem is we can't put a real good early date on we can't put a really good date on Saint Patrick. There's this theory that there are two different guys who are called Patrick. I don't want to get in all that because that's not our topic today. So she's either roughly contemporary with him or a little after him. Basically, Saint Bridget and Saint Patrick are the kind of two the two big. Irish saints and yes so among all the cool she also by the way had another cool I like gross miracles and one of her miracles one version of one of her miracles is she was supposed to be married and in one version of she prayed to God to give her a deformity and he made her eye (laughs) burst so that she looked disgusting and no one would marry her and then when I guess the engagement broke off then he miraculously healed her so
1: that's interesting because I had read that she had gouged her own eye out
0: Yes. And there's another version, which is no I at all. It's a less exciting Uh one where she just uh, basically she tells a guy, hey, God said, go out in the woods and there'll be a maiden there for you to marry instead of me. And that's how it turns out to be.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: So we start off early Middle Ages. You've got one of the one of the, you you know, the big important saints. She turns water into beer. Although as we're going to talk about later, beer here probably didn't mean what we mean by beer. It probably meant something more like ale. This beer doesn't come really until later. And so from the from the early Middle Ages on, ale tends to be a thing which is, though it's commercially available, tends to be a thing which is commercially available in what you consider like small uh batches. Today we sometimes have the stereotype of, you know, if you are brewing, you're a guy with a very large beard and have an ironic tattoo somewhere on your body. Uh, But in the middle ages, it was more along (laughs) the lines of it was like any other food preparation. It was a domestic uh, task. Uh, And so while the men would harvest the various things that would go into making the food or would hunt them, the women would then uh, often turn them into a meal or something in this case, beer. So brewing was done by local women and some women would, would become known to be good brewers and they could brew more than they would normally use for their family and they would pass it along. And of course it was safer to drink it than, than water and so forth and so on. Right.
1: That's the case still today in, in some parts of the world, especially if you're traveling. That's And true. I don't mean, I don't mean any developing countries. I mean, countries like the UK and yeah. um, Ireland.
0: There are some countries where I've traveled and I'll not name them to without risking insulting them, where basically I've only <laughs> drank beer. There was one country in which we bought a bottle of light white wine that we used to brush our teeth with because drinking anything that didn't come out of a bottle was, you're asking for some sort of parasite.
1: Mm. But I know a man who's been in this country for about almost 40 years now and he has not had the tap water since. <laughs> so.
0: <Okay. laughs> so then the Black Plague comes along. And the Black Plague leads to a lot of things. And one of the things it leads to is the rise of the middle class. And you start to see because you have fewer people doing this, you start to see more and more demand for it. Uh, before this, that time, there's this kind of innovation of adding hops to ale. So the word for beer in Old English meant something more like strong drink. The word ale was kind of what we would think of. Well, they start adding hops to it. And one of the reasons they add hops to it is it allows you to transport it more. And so uh, and it keeps longer so you can transport it. And there, um, right now there's some craft brewer out there who's shouting uh, that I misunderstand completely how hops work. Uh, and uh, to you, you know, uh, please forward all tweet all of your angry tweets to Anheuser-Busch brewer- Breweries at milwaukee.com. Uh, they could ass- use it. I'm assuming that's an email address. Uh, anyway, and so you start to see more and more men getting into it as it becomes a thing where you have to, tra- where you can transport it further away. Well, by the time you get to uh, the 12th century, you've, before the plague, right, you've got Hildegard von Bingham. Hildegard of Bingham is a really important 12th century Christian mystic, very influential, and one of the things that she uh, wrote was that there's a section on Physica has to do with this book of natural philosophy she has. And in this she says, hey, hops will throw your humors out of balance. And honestly the the <laughs> honestly the evidence she gives is something along the lines of, well, whenever I have a lot of beer, it makes me sleepy. So it must be the hops that makes you sleepy. So it must throw your humors out <laughs> of balance.
1: Yeah, blame the hops.
0: Right. She's super respected. So the church is like, oh, beer is unhealthy for you. So you shouldn't have have that fast forward to the reformation and you get Hildegard von Bing or not Hildegard uh, uh, Katrina von Bora who is the wife of Martin Luther so we're all we're now to the, we go from the beginning of the Middle Ages to the end of the Middle Ages she is of course famous for being the wife of Martin Luther but she's also famous for essentially keeping everything afloat financially and she does this through among many other things being a successful brewer So the Catholic Church, particularly, kind of looked down on hops because a it was unhealthy, and b now it gets associated with Protestantism. By the time we get into the modern era, so the idea that you'll see often is in the Middle Ages, women were considered who were brewers were considered these kind of like uh, evil women, and most of this is based on a single academic article from the late uh, late '80s, which is a little outdated now. And that uh, furthermore, you now see this idea that, well, they had pointy hats. Witches mm-hmm. have pointy hats. Therefore, they were all considered witches. Basically, any bad idea about the Middle Ages seems to come out of the 18th century. Uh, and so this is an 18th century thing where we start seeing witches with pointy hats. Because centuries earlier, alewives had often been depicted as having pointy hats. I mean, it it was centuries over many, over many countries. So there isn't like a single... It's not like a a Star Trek where everyone from some society wears the exact same uniform wherever they go. Uh, You know, it wasn't (laughs) like that. But it was a stereotypical look, right, for the alewife to have a pointy hat. Just because everyone has a pointy hat uh, doesn't mean they're the same kind of person. Not only do I not think the, uh, the evidence that it's all about accusing women of being witches that led to this, it's really because... A famous female Christian mystic, Hildegard of was like, I don't think these hops are good for your health. So now, to be fair, she didn't say don't drink. She said, don't drink beer. Drink all the ale you want.
1: I see. So don't drink this poison. Drink this poison instead.
0: Well, the ale wasn't poison, right? Because it didn't have hops. (laughs) The beer, the beer that has the hops is poisonous. Or at least... Don't drink the water. Yes, that's exactly right.
1: See, it's interesting you bring up the pointy hats because I had always been instructed that Mm -hmm. the image of a witch like the the whole Bugs Bunny cartoon witch the pointy hat and the hook Mm -hmm. nose and the warts and the the hunched look the green skin that comes from anti-semitism that that imagery that we see it has been so rooted in how and again it goes back to the 18th Mm -hmm. century anti-Semitic representation of Jewish people and how they were, how they wore hats, how they were forced to wear hats, and, you know, the hooked noses and the warts, and that kind of look comes from anti-Semitism. I, I didn't think it comes from, you know, alewives.
0: Yeah, I think there's at least a better argument for that. I'm, th- the thing is, I actually don't think it comes from a single source, you know. It's not like the Coca-Cola red suited Santa Claus that comes from a particular Coca-Cola ad that we can trace it back to. I think it's a little more complicated than that. I don't doubt anti-Semitism comes into it. And maybe someday we should do a show on Hugh of Lincoln and some sort of anti-Semitic. We'll wait till something anti-Semitic happens. And that, that'll <laughs> be how you know that things have but, gone terribly awry when we do that. Uh, wonderful, when, man. We, when we do that episode. And also those things get lumped into a general category of these are the physical attributes of bad people. Right. Mm-hmm. So even when someone's not thinking she looks like a Jew, right, there's just yeah. a kind of like this is what bad people look like. They look like this. So there might be a good bit of that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is ugliness. And we associate these bad people or we associate bad people with ugliness. And who do we associate with bad people? Well, which is Jews,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, probably Muslims and X, Y, Z, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. OK.
0: Uh, the if there's anything. That people should take from this today is drink ale because beer will throw your humors out of whack. And you don't want your humors thrown out of whack.
1: Unless you yeah. do. Well, you know. My humors are frequently out of whack and, you know, drinking beer aligns them.
0: You know, if your humors already started off wrong, you can put them in the right way by doing it that way. Agreed. I forget... I should have reread her stuff on the humors to tell you which humors get elevated and which ones get uh, decreased by hops. But I can't remember now. Yes. But this is a common... I don't want to turn this into, uh, you know, we recently did an episode on internet uh, myths about the Middle Ages. This one at least is based on an actual scholarly article. It might be a little out of date, but, you know, it comes from an actual scholar who did actual scholarship and published an actual scholarly journal. So uh, it's not as unreasonable as some of the other ones we've looked at.
1: All right. So my last question for you is I know you don't drink beer that often, Mm -hmm. but when you do, Mm -hmm. what is your favorite beer? Like um, American, German, Australian, Canadian,
0: what? So generally, if I am buying a beer, I'm going to get, if I'm going to go ahead and go to that path, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to get like usually like a Guinness stout or something like that. Wow. Okay. But I will say I drank, now I'm going to reveal one of the countries I couldn't drink in. Uh, When I was in Guatemala uh, researching one summer, I drank basically nothing but El Gallo beer, which I believe is marketed as like Fantastico or something in the U.S. Like it has a different name in the U.S. Because it was what I had to drink at every meal, it became sort of the background drink of that. And so I have very fond feelings when I have El Gallo. Every so often I'll wander into like a Tienda, a a Mexican, uh, for our Canadian listeners, a Mexican, uh, you know, (laughs) market. (laughs) Here and they'll have like el Gallo or something like that, and then I'll I'll drink it, and it brings back fond memories. But Guinness stout is more of my uh, is more of my. I, I have good. You know, I don't have any hair, and when I had hair, it wasn't red hair. But my grandfather, who lived in an Irish community, his nickname was Red among the Irish people who lived there. So there is a strong Irish sh- strain to me somewhere. Not as not as culturally strong as with you but uh it's there.
1: I see. Yeah. They called my grandfather Mac. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Well, I will answer the question. I like my beer American and I like my whiskey Scottish. So, that's uh
0: There's uh nothing wrong with Scottish whiskey. A good uh I Isla scotch is Oh, by the way, if listeners want to support this podcast, uh we don't have a Patreon page. You can just ship Laphroaig, uh directly to uh, either Nina or me. We'll be happy to drink all the Lefroig you send. Not at all in one sitting, mind you.
1: <laughs> you could <can> dare us. <laughs> well. It won't go to waste, we promise.
0: Yes, that's true. All right. Yeah, do you have a recommendation, Nina?
1: I do indeed. Okay, before this podcast started, we were talking about some very humorous stories, and one of them involved... The Zoo Atlanta Brew at the Zoo. I live in the Atlanta area. Every May, Zoo mm-hmm. Atlanta has a feat, a fete, a feat, a fete called Brew at the Zoo, and there's also a similar one called Sip Safari in September, which is about wine, but we won't talk about that. We will talk about Brew at the Zoo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Brew at the Zoo is a spectacular event where the zoo shuts down early and allows. Craft breweries around the Atlanta metro area to set up shop in small tents all around the zoo uh, where you as the patron are allowed to take a very small cup and sample their wares and you get to try some excellent beer sometimes not so excellent beer and listen to live music and maybe sample some food and also hydrate very very well. Don't let me forget about that. (laughs) And, of course, look at the animals that are more nocturnal and come out in the late afternoon, early evening. It's a spectacular event. Uh, You get to meet a lot of fun people and um, get a little tipsy at the same time. Drink responsibly. Come with a designated driver, as always, and you have to be 21 and older. But, yeah, I definitely recommend Brew at the Zoo every May this year. It is the 23rd. I hope to go again. Hope to see you there.
0: Is there, at the Brew at the Zoo, are the beers served to you by a chimpanzee dressed in a butler outfit?
1: There had better
0: be. Yes, that's that's what I want more than anything else. So my recommendation is... for Daniel Sibalski's "Life in Medieval Europe: Fact and Fiction," uh, some people who are listeners to this podcast might know the Medievalists.net podcast, which she hosts. And so she published this book, "Life in Medieval Europe." It actually came out a few months ago, but it came out first in in the UK, and uh, I think it's sold out there now. And they're reprinting; they're printing more. I might be wrong. That's the last I heard uh, Was it had been sold out. So finally is available in the U.S. And so I got Life in Medieval Europe. It is aimed at the total beginner. There's nothing in it that should be intimidating if you are... I, I would think actually a middle school student should be able to understand everything that she's doing, th- that she says in it. It's very accessible. You know, uh, she knows of what she speaks. And so we spend... A l- uh, by the way, any of her articles are, are in her podcast I recommend because she is... You know, she's quite knowledgeable uh, about what she's talking about, and she's able to write in an accessible way. So that's Life in Medieval Europe, Fact and Fiction by Dan Danielle Cebalski, uh who's quite wonderful. And so that's my recommendation. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, anything else for the good of the cause?
1: Yes. If you wind up going to brew at the zoo and I'm not there, please say hello to the naked mole rats for me.
0: I... I will do more than say hello. I will join them in their <laughs> nakedness. And I'll take off my glasses so I, too, am blind. <laughs> this will also help me blend in.
1: And also, if you're able to turn water into beer, please get in contact with me. That is truly a miracle that deserves to be venerated.
0: All right. So, uh, on uh, this... Oh, by the time this comes out, we're coming up on St. Patrick's Day Women's History Month. So... Pour one out for all the famous women brewers in history. Slanjaba. Uh West Through Hall, Nina. West through Hall Doc. One second I thought that's how we were ending it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerd Dividend Studios. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinry. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash that's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash potminever. Thank you for listening.